C-A-M-P-A-D-U-L-T-H-O-O-D Camp Adulthood Bridging the Millennial Divide One conversation at a time Interviewing guests Strangers and friends We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood Welcome to Camp Adulthood and the Resident Youth. I'm Camp Adulthood, Shay Keats. And I am the Resident Youth, Maddie Yergi. And we are joined by an esteemed guest once again. Most esteemed. Hi. How are we so lucky to have so many esteemed guests? I know, right? Um, um, we have Sarah Raiden here. That's me. <laughs> Yay. Sarah, can you um, introduce yourself and give us you know, the quick elevator speech bio about who you are, where you're from, when you were born, and just let our uh, listeners familiarize themselves with your voice a little bit. Okay. Um, Hi, my name is Sarah Raiden. I'm originally from Boston. I live here in New York, very close to Maddie, actually. I am an artist with a capital A. (laughs) I'm not really sure how to categorize myself in that. I studied photography, but now I sort of do graphic design. And... Yeah, that's me. That's How old awesome. are you? I'm 24. I was okay, about to so say you... 23. I just had a birthday. I'm 24 <laughs> oh, now. Birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. A young millennial like myself. Exactly. We've yeah. had a couple couple older guests recently, but now we're back on the youngins. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> People young. talking a lot about things they have nothing, they don't know anything about, just no expertise, but talking very confidently anyway. We love it. Well, that's that what is I do the every definition time. of millennial. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, Perfect. So, Maddie, what is your millennial moment? So, mine, I was thinking about it, and I was like, gee, do I really have one? But then I realized I have a good one. Oh, and, oh bring it. Uh, Shay may have noticed this. I don't know, because I kind of sit in the corner of the Skype call. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. sometimes I'm visible to Shay, and sometimes I'm not. Um, mm-hmm. But... To, to give a peek into the, the recording room for, since this is not Did a visual. Did you get the bunk beds? Oh, God, no. I would, there would be more fanfare if there were bunk beds. Um, <laughs> but, you know, typically we record after I get home from work or, like, on the weekend and I'm just lounging around. And I realize the last three times, including today, that we've recorded, I've worn the same lounge outfit. Oh. Comprising of an elephant pant, a sports bra... And this burnt orange shirt. And I realize uh, I've worn it every time and I love it. It's my new recording outfit, I think. I love it. Um, I didn't notice. And <laughs> also, I also have a pair of matching elephant pants that Maddie brought me back from the not island nation of Vietnam. And I also love to wear them, although I'm only wearing jeans right now. Yes. So peek, in, peek into the inside. Yeah. Um, Shay, what is your millennial moment? So my millennial moment is that they updated the Gmail interface Mm. and Mm -hmm. I'm not a big fan. I mean, I don't like dislike it. I just feel like it's a little, it's just, it's almost like kind of childlike. It's all like big buttons and I just, I'm like, why did this is, and I don't feel like it adds any value, I guess is my, um, you know, expert opinion. Um, And I just felt like it was very millennial to like, not like 
when the interface of some kind of electronic app or program that you use is that you use is updated. Um, so that's my millennial moment. I don't really like it, but I do want to say that my general opinion is those people who get all like been out of shape when like Facebook changes its algorithm or whatever or looks a little bit different. I think they're dumb. So that's why I don't want to overly <laughs> complain about this. But I do not love it. So I felt like that was very millennial. It's likely that in a couple months you won't even notice it anymore. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm kind of just like, I'm going with it. It's fine. No big deal. Okay. Yeah. My my personal Gmail moved over like a couple weeks ago. And then my work Gmail like just moved over. And I feel like because my personal, it's been like a couple weeks. It's mm. gotten me to the point where I'm used to it now for yeah. my work one. So. I like the AI um, respond options on an email. Like, I, yeah, sometimes I just want to answer my boss really quickly and there's already a button to do Mm -hmm. it. And I guess I haven't used that yet. And also I think because I work, like, I feel like I have to craft every message. Mm. You also, Mm -hmm, I feel like compared to someone maybe like Sarah and I that work in a more like office setting, you -hmm. probably get way less like just like bullshit, bullshit like posting yeah. emails yep. like yeah, i get a lot of true. emails that it's like just wanted to post you on this and you want to acknowledge that you received it but you don't want mm-hmm. to like send this whole personal message you can just be like got it thanks yeah and i i work yeah. in an office where you don't have like slack or we don't use mm. messaging at all so everything mm. is sent mm. via an email which is pretty annoying but yeah it's just full of those like one email that says okay and that's yeah. it <laughs> yeah amazing love it that's a awesome. great millennial moment. Do you have a millennial moment, Sarah? Uh, yeah, I think I do. So I had a room open up this month, and I found my new subletter via Roomy. If you've seen those subway ads, mm. um, it was interesting to use. And I, I find it interesting, especially now, because my grandmother has a house in Rhode Island, and she finds her tenants by putting an ad in the local paper. Oh, that's I so love sad. that. So, <laughs> so I think it's just like a generational difference in that. And I thought it was very interesting. Yeah. The roomy like interface is really nice, I feel like with the pictures and stuff. I've looked on it. Yeah, it's it's really like a dating app, but for finding your next roommate and they had this payment process. This is my one I don't know, quirk about the app is like I was supposed to get paid today what my subletter's first month's rent and I haven't gotten it yet. So I think this is like the final say on whether or not this is a good route to go, rather than oh. like Facebook, for example. Yeah. And what's probably happened is they've released the money, but it's taking like God knows how long to post to your bank account, which Mm -hmm. is the sucking. And will you get paid through the app every month? No, it's just for the first month. No, just the first month. Yeah. Interesting. She already gave me security. So I, I, you know, have one month. I just don't really have the other thing. And it's this unfinished thing. And yeah, it's been irking me. No, rightly so. That's rightly what I so. never well, understand about I've banks. I've most of my roommates. Oh, sorry, Maddie. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I have I feel like I don't understand. I was listening to another podcast and they were talking about this, that like, you know how it's typically like three days to get something posted to your mm-hmm. bank account? The reason why that rule exists is because back in the day you had to like physically move paper around, but the banks yeah. have just kept it because it's more convenient for them and it's, they can, which... They definitely do this. I know that they say that they don't, but I have anecdotal evidence and I have lots of friends that do it where if you have like multiple transactions, they'll and you're if you're in peril of like getting to the bottom of your balance, they'll post the larger it's instead of, you know, 
let's say you have twenty dollars left in your account. We're gonna do some math real quick because I okay, feel time. very passionate about this. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just adding some. Color. I love it. Like if you have twenty dollars in your bank account, and let's say you have a charge for uh, twenty dollars, fifteen dollars, and five dollars, and every time you overdraft, you get a fee. They'll put the twenty dollars charge first, even if it didn't happen oh, first. So you overdraft. if it's within the three days, so that you get charged three overdraft fees instead of if they let you post the first two, you would have the balance, and that it would just be the last one that you got the fee. Mm. Next time this happens to you, check it out. Because it's why I keep all my money in gold bullion under the bed. <laughs> I love it. Same. That's a lie. I my can't wait for, Sh- for Shay's all the better. No one would suspect it. <laughs> I, I feel like Shay's will is just going to be like a treasure map of gold bullion. <laughs> I'll be like, dear Maddie, I left you all my <laughs> earthly goods. <laughs> I would Follow love that. treasure map. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I know. Uh, sounds super fun, actually. What an excellent uh, millennial moment. Um, Shay, do you have a hot topic for us? Yeah, so my hot and toasty campfire topic is that the new Chrissy Teigen cookbook came out. Oh. Now, I don't know if I've talked about this before because I can't remember for shit, but I adored her first cookbook, Cravings. I just thought it was so well done. Uh, the recipes were really fun. They were super accessible, but like she does a lot of uh, Thai cooking with her mom. So there was definitely like this really fun flair to a lot of the recipes and she was just super down to earth. And I just like, I've always loved her social media and her work. I think she does a lot of really amazing work and she's a, a great mouthpiece for some really important issues, including, you know, infertility. Um, so, and then I got this cookbook and I just was like, I love this woman and I want to be your best friend. And I've got like four of my favorite all time favorite recipes that are like going in the, you know, little, um, recipe box that eventually mm-hmm. I'll give my grandchildren someday. And I just love that cookbook so much. So when the second one came out, I've been anxiously, like literally counting down the days <laughs> and then it came out and it was at Costco and I went and got it. And this is also kind of a millennial moment as well as a hot topic. And that's great. I've just been disappointed with it so far. Granted, oh, really? and this is also one of the few cookbooks I read like cover to cover. Um, Actually, that's a lie. Most cookbooks I get, I read covers. <laughs> but I re- like I literally read all the steps. Like I just don't skim it because she's so funny. And it just you can tell she's kind of like matured a little bit as a person. It feels like they kind of threw it together a little quickly, and there wasn't quite as much time that went into it as the first cookbook. And the recipes are like. And again, I'm only through to the sandwich section and it's got like a thousand chapters. So maybe once I get into like the more like the pastas and the soups, I'll find it more accessible again. But I felt like everything so far, like in the breakfast and appetizers and salad sections, I'm just like, this is not shit I'm going to make because it requires 4,000 ingredients and like some kind of advanced cooking skill and if I'm going and I'm a pretty good cook but like if I'm really going to go balls to the walls I'm not going to be cooking a Chrissy Teigen recipe like I'm going to be yeah. getting out Julia Child or something so it just like it it didn't really seem as, as unique to her and I just wanted to say Chrissy I hope the third cookbook is back <laughs> to the first so yeah I love that. I saw, I don't know if we talked about it on this podcast. I went to a taping of Live with Kelly and Ryan like a couple weeks ago. Do and not Chris, tell me Chrissy Teigen was there. Oh, yeah, she was there. She was the guest. 
<laughs> Did I not tell you about this? Shay just no. died. <laughs> when Jen and Laura and I went to Live with Kelly and Ryan, it was Chrissy Teigen. Sorry, and I just whacked the table, which I've been told not to do. Also, I have a glass top on this if, desk. This is where I guilt Shay into coming back. Is this where you flipped to- the table? <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. This is what happens when you leave New York. You miss out on all the gold opportunities. Because I would have totally been there. Because I, I also always go to the fancy event at which well, exactly. you won this taping of Kelly and Ryan. And yeah. So <sighs> I will say. Um, she adorable. She was. She looks very normal, which I really appreciate. She's like, I feel like a normal sized human. Like she's not, mm, you know, like a lot yeah. of models. And like, you know, she's had kids and stuff. But sometimes I feel like there's a lot of pressure to get really, really skinny and she's not like that, but she just seemed very normal, like the way that she carried herself, like how she was dressed. It was really Mm -hmm. interesting. Um, And they did like a little cooking segment and you know how on TV they kind of like fake that they cooked it like during the segment, but then they have like the prepared one. So at one point, this is just a little funny story. It has nothing to do with Chrissy Teigen. Um, But they were pulling the supposedly done one. So it was like a chicken recipe and you were supposed to put it in the oven. And so mm-hmm. Ryan Seacrest, love him, he picked he picked it up and he put it in the oven. And then they were like, oh, you should take out the done one. And he pulled it out with his bare hands. And then during the commercial break, the producers were giving him shit because they're like, you're supposed to put on the oven mitts to make it seem like it's hot for the people watching at home. And he was like, it's literally cold. And then, like, walked away. And I was like, wow, sass from Ryan Seacrest. I'm seeing. Oh, my God. And another sassy moment. They were doing a Mm -hmm. promo for the guest the next day. And it was this, like, singer guy that I didn't know who it was. And Ryan's, like, reading the copy. And he's like... And he, like, turns to the audience. And he's like, I don't know who this person is. And then they're like, all right, time to record the promo. And he's like, we're so excited to have Jake so-and-so on the show. And I was like... You're so fake, and I, I love it. I imagine if you have to turn it on all the time, like I yeah. would probably also. Just He's just like very sarcastic to meet it. Yeah, every time. it was so funny. He was like, I, I literally don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I Chrissy mean, Teigen I was great. I love Ryan Seacrest. Um, but when I saw live with Regis and Kelly, I um, it was when Michael or it wasn't Regis? Oh my god, it was Michael <laughs> Strahan, and it was just like the weirdest thing because Michael Strahan is like super goofy and super nice like he could not do any of that ryan seacrest bullshit like i don't even know if he's smart (laughs) enough and he's like a thousand feet tall and kelly ripa is like she's so small i've honestly never seen anyone that small in real life she's like an actual pixie yeah like she probably weighs 85 pounds like it is i mean she jokes all the time that she wears like children's clothing yeah, she's the tiniest human. And she's very thin, but she's not like you look at her and you're like, ooh, she's dying. You just look at her and you're like, that is a shrunk down tiny human. Yeah. So anyway. Very interesting. There we go. Your turn, Maddie. Um, so this is an article that I found a while ago. And I was just revisiting it. And I realized I don't think we've talked about it. Um, but there is an article that this woman named Jessica, I'll find her last name, Um, and it was in Glamour magazine and it was about this school called adulting school, which maybe we've heard of, maybe we haven't, but it's like literally a thing that you can go to and it teaches you like life skills. It's basically like a high school life skills class where they teach you how to cook. They teach you how to like clean, how to use a washing machine, how to like basic stuff. Sarah's giving me a very incredulous look. Well, do they include, like, taxes? I would love that. Oh, or, I don't like All I the things know. high school should teach you. Yeah. 
but it was very interesting. It, sorry, go on. And then I have opinions. <laughs> yes, I had very many opinions too, but the article was interesting because it kind of started with this adulting school situation. And then she kind of profiled like some of the people in the class and talking about it more broadly with millennials. Like, why do they not know how to do like basic things? And I, I found it to be like a pretty balanced article like not super um like anti-millennial and not Mm -hmm. you know super derogatory but it talked about how you know life skills classes aren't really taught or if they are taught in a lot of schools it's still gendered where boys will go to shop class and girls will go to life skills and so you know Mm -hmm. you're half the population is not getting one or the other um and even with that like in, instead of integrating both classes, a lot of schools are just cutting those programs altogether, um, and people are kind of missing out on this stuff. And some of the people profiled in the article were like, I felt more comfortable and less embarrassed like paying to go to a class as opposed to like asking dumb questions of my friends and family all the time, which I thought was really interesting. These people were very self-aware in the fact that they were ignorant and kind of struggling. Yeah. Um, so anyways, and so I was just trying to like revisit the article and there's all these like it got a a pretty bad rap when it came out apparently like in Cosmo they wrote about the article saying a new adulting school for millennials just opened and it's total bullshit and there's a lot of like different publications that have written about it like that but I just thought it was interesting and then there was also um on the camp adulthood Instagram kind of a way that I try to like network with people is by following different hashtags and then going through and like liking other people's pages or like following different people and trying to, you know, drum up interest for the podcast that way. And I found this podcast um, that hasn't launched yet, um, but it's called Adult Struggles. And I followed it just because I was like, it's interesting. And they, mm-hmm. it looks like from the Instagram, they've posted a couple things like, um, you know, different like laundry tips for how to avoid ruining your favorite clothes, which I thought that was pretty specific and kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, different, like, recipes, like, cooking stuff. Um, so, anyways, this girl, Ashley, who's the host of this podcast, she sent me a DM, and she was very sweet, and she thought that our podcast was nice, and so I wanted to give Aww. Ashley a shout-out. Um, hey, Ashley! But I thought her podcast, Adult Struggles, kind of touched upon something that was also in this article that I thought was interesting, so... Yeah, I think that I'm really interested to read the article, so I also will get it when it's posted on our website. Um, what I think is really interesting about this is, first of all, the gendering in high school is very, very fascinating, but also that, you know, it's funny because I can understand when people don't know how to do taxes or how to do a budget or how to do whatever, because I think some of those are you know, slightly more specialized skills. And if you don't have kind of a natural aptitude for that, or you don't have parents who really drilled it home for you. But I think the fact that people need help with these other things like cooking and laundry and cleaning and household management, like that's not a reflection on being a millennial. That's a reflection on their parents. Like the reason I know how to like manage household and like not fuck up my laundry is because my mom was like, you can reach the um, buttons, do it yourself. Like, and, and that was, you know, how my parents chose to raise their children and how many of my friends' parents did. And so what is it about, I'd say those Gen X, I guess, late Gen X and young boomers 
who maybe this is the result of the helicopter parent. You know, it's, it doesn't have anything to do with the poor yeah. kid just like living their life because what kid is going to be like, no, mommy, please let me do my laundry. Please teach me the ways yeah. of the laundry. Yeah, well, there's, got, there's like this separation of whatever they're teaching at that school. Like you really should learn how to do your laundry at home. But I get that you want to learn investing. I get that you want to learn taxes. I get that you want to learn more of these like, let's say less like, home management and more like finance management or like life management you know things that it's not exactly as intuitive I think it does come down to like it is like a confidence thing and that's what I got from this article was like some people can like they know how to do it they just need someone to show them like the confidence like I've seen that like I make fun of him all the time but like Corey will, like, ask me things that I'm like, you could have Googled that, or, like, you know yourself. But I think it's just, like, you know, to have someone there just to, like, make sure if it's something that, like, you haven't done in a while. Like, I think that's part of growing up and maturing, but some people need that more than others. And that's also a trait of, I would say, the mid to younger millennials, is that Mm -hmm. not that they need, like, praise, but they are sadly so afraid of failure and we haven't taught our kids how to fail. Like the reason, part of the reason I know how to like not mess up the laundry is because my mom was like, go to town. And then I messed up a couple loads and then I had like a slight, had to wear slightly pink uniforms, you know, shirt to school. And, you know, I accidentally shrunk and, you know, so then I learned and, you know, cause it was more that, I was never afraid to fail, but of course that's different if you weren't taught those skills and then you're an adult and you're like, well, no, I literally, you know, I bought these clothes myself. I don't want to ruin them. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with asking for help. Yeah. Well, there's that. And I think going back to the generational thing too, like, I think what you were saying, Sarah, you echoed it touche, like about the helicopter parenting and maybe that sort of thing in, you know, higher socioeconomic backgrounds, but Mm -hmm. with millennials, on the other end, like, millennials have seen the highest divorce rate amongst their parents. Like, Gen X has the highest divorce rate right now, and millennials mm-hmm. will surpass them once they get older. But, um, you know, growing up in a household where, you know, maybe you're going back and forth, so you have multiples of things, or, you know... And your parents are feeling guilty, so they're right. doing more stuff for or, you. Or, like, you go to dad's house, and you know, like, okay, we go to dad's, and, like, we're only going to be there for three days. And so if we leave a mess, like, we're not going to see him for nine more days, and then by the time we come back, the mess will be cleaned up. Like, I think those are the types yeah. of things. Or, you know, people that grow up in single-parent households where the parent is working all the time, and they don't have time to, like, teach the kid the thing, and it's easier just to do the thing yourself on the weekend on your day off as opposed to like mentoring your kids. So I think we're seeing kind of the dichotomy where maybe when we grew up, maybe like Sarah and I were the tail end of this. Like we were kind of in the middle phase where it was like you were allowed to fail and you had parents that cared about you and had the time to teach you these things. And now it's kind of like moving towards the opposite extremes in a way. Yeah, it's very true. So very true. Excellent. Uh, So to keep the t- campfire toasty, um, Sarah, one of the reasons we've invited her here with us today is she sent a really lovely and thoughtful email. Um, oh, thank you. In response. Yeah, it was really great. In response to our conversation about the My Favorite Murder teepee scandal and what we should do with our own logo. So, Maddie, do we want to read that? Have Sarah read it or? I can read um, it if you don't want to read. I can, I can read, read it again. Okay. I just totally forgot what I said. Okay, I have it up here so you can. Okay. Before you go into it, Mm -hmm. I can give like a brief 
30 second overview for Go maybe some new listeners of what maybe. happened. So my favorite murder is a very popular podcast, much more popular than this podcast. Um, and they produced some summer merch. It had one of the t-shirts had a teepee on it, like kind of a cartoon drawing of a teepee. And then the one I saw, at least it had the slogan of the podcast, which is stay sexy, don't get murdered. And I think both in part because of the actual drawing plus the insinuation of murder with an indigenous population, it was not really a great look. And so they ended up pulling the merch and they got um, a lot of hate, shall we say, on the internet about that. Um, And they also have a notoriously like very vitriolic Facebook page. Like Mm -hmm. I've heard from other people from other people like they have a really fired up fan base um Mm -hmm. so some people were saying you know just take down the shirts that's fine other people were saying that their podcast should be canceled and um i will say the two women of that podcast were both white women and so anyways in relation to that shay brought it to my attention and we talked about it on the pod when it happened being two white women ourselves with a podcast and our own camp adulthood logo you know we talked about it and I'll post which episode we talked about it if people want to go back and listen to that. Um, but our logo does look like a teepee. And Although so we it inf- is a tent. It is a tent, but with what we'll see in Sarah's email, she brought up some good points. So we invited, you know, our listeners. And again, this is an ongoing conversation. So just because we have Sarah on with this one email does not mean that people can't, you know, DM us or email us hello at campadulthood.com. Um, but Sarah wrote this very nice email that pointed a lot of stuff out to me, which if you listen to what I said during the episode, I wasn't really thinking about it from the same perspective that Sarah was. Um, so with that, yeah. before I read it, um, I remember the first time I saw your logo and I actually thought like, Oh, I get it. Like camp adulthood. And this tent looks like an mm. A and, um, oh, well now and I really don't want to change it. No, <laughs> Cause then my very next thought was like, Oh, it kind of looks like a TV. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, not, Obviously, my mind glossed over it more than others might, but I didn't think too much more about it. But Mm -hmm. now going back and really, you know, putting on the designer glasses and and taking a second look, um, it is really important um, to think about this stuff. Okay, so I will read the email. Um, So it says, I just listened to the episode about the My Favorite Murder TP graphic scandal and how it caused you to reevaluate your own camp adulthood logo. I thought I might give my input as a graphic and brand designer. Through my major in photography, I've also studied a lot about the representation in and interpretation of popular imagery. Um, Iconography is a really tricky area in design that delves a lot into psychology and cultural studies. Designers are at the mercy of what meanings our culture has assigned to certain icons. For example, you can't make a stop sign yellow or triangular. It has to be red and octagonal. There would be tons more deaths and accidents. Like, Mm -hmm. this is more like a real-world example that, like, lives depend on it. Uh, Play buttons are always right-pointing triangles, and pause buttons are always two parallel vertical lines, but their colors don't matter. There are also icons that have multiple meanings, and there are ideas that can be represented by multiple icons. Both a clock and an hourglass can symbolize time, um, whereas an icon of a house can literally mean a house, but it can also direct you to the homepage of a website or browser. Um, This brings me to the Camp Adulthood logo, which is a very simple tent icon. 
Could it also be seen as a very simple teepee icon? Yes, those two symbols are incredibly similar. So if people could look at it and could see a teepee, then it's a teepee too, for all intents and purposes um, from a design standpoint. One icon, multiple meanings. So uh, designers have to design inclusively, which means running through all the likely edge cases. If there's a clear way that the design could, in quotes, break or be misinterpreted or have an unintentional effect, etc., those possibilities must be accounted for in the design process. I can't tell you how many times I've had to ask myself if something looked phallic and had to adjust it. All this begs the question, should you change your logo? The decision is ultimately up to you, but for the longevity, inclusivity, and possibly the integrity of the podcast, I recommend considering revamping the brand. Um, Thank you, Sarah. Yeah, so just a little bit more into that, because I didn't want to write the longest email in the world about this, but- oh, Whatever, we love it. <laughs> um, yeah, just so many cases ran through my mind when I was writing it, like, for example, the Uber Eats logo used to be of a fork. They changed that because a fork is not a utensil used in all cuisines and cultures. Um, here's something I know you had mentioned to me about the Buddha symbol. Oh that's like yeah, the swastika backwards. Oh yeah. So um, when I I was um, walking through this street fair once, and there was this tent, and I couldn't tell what it was, but I I think that. It, it was something to do with Buddhism, and there was a symbol on the top of the tent that looked like a backward swastika, just the spokes pointed in the other direction. And I had no idea, so I like tug on my dad's shoulder. I'm like, Dad, I think that's a swastika. He's like, Oh, no, 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 that's a Buddhist symbol, actually. But it's funny that even though the Buddhist symbol probably came first, like, mm -hmm. We, in this culture, in this point in time, our, our perceptions have been so skewed by the swastika. And even as I explained what this Buddhist symbol looked like right now, I'm explaining it not by like its physical form, but its similarity to an icon we know better. Yeah. So it's kind of funny how meanings can be skewed over time and how they can change uh, depending on the culture. Like this is... It's just such it's unpredictable area of design, and you're really at the mercy to where we are in culture right now. And all you're trying to do is just do something that will, you know, it'll meet the functionality that you need. Um, it won't confuse people. It won't um, obstruct what people are trying to do. Um, it won't offend anyone unless, you know, your brand is offending people yeah. <laughs> maybe like then mm -hmm. then you won't care and maybe that's actually the point of your brand is to cause controversy <laughs> um but it's all it just all depends on who you are what your brand or company is what you're trying to do and yeah yeah that's my little spiel so I love that and you know when Maddie and I first talked about it I was the one that was like hey I really think that we should rethink the logo and maybe um basically you know sh uh, turn the teepee a little bit so you can see that it's more of a pup tent than a teepee um but i guess my question for you sarah as an expert is and this is me playing devil's advocate why would so that since that teepee symbol is throughout all you know it's there are multiple cultures that have dwellings that look somewhat similar to that mm -hmm. and um they are homes they are not necessarily related to any um negative 
periods in history, right? I mean, I don't know. I, and again, I don't, I'm not super familiar with the TB's um, story, but I mean, as far as I know, it is a home used by indigenous peoples of mostly of North America. Um, so it's a, it's a fairly innocuous symbol. And then our podcast is also fairly innocuous. So I, I, I guess in that way, I, where the, I think I know what you're my asking, favorite, Shay. Yeah, like, like, the, like what the would be favorite, so bad if someone thought it was a teepee? Is that what you're getting at? Because yeah, our exactly, podcast because is innocuous and teepees are a nice symbol that people celebrate. It just is about not taking, you know, their, uh, uh, something of another culture and sort of making it like your mascot or something like that, or, or making it like, um, your like a post- cartoon or something like a cartoon or, or a poster child. If it's not, if it, if the podcast did dwell into, uh, or sorry, delve in a lot to like indigenous peoples or like reservations or or the problems that are going on in the indigenous community today um you could talk about like uh, the environment because that's super impactful for them like then i think it would actually in some cases be appropriate um so it's really dependent on so many factors i think just in these set of variables it's like that you want a tent Mm -hmm. not a teepee Mm -hmm. um the name being Camp Adulthood. Yeah. You want to remind... And I kind of like the A thing, too. I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah. The tent makes an A for Camp Adulthood. Well, it is literally an A-frame tent. Um, So, Sarah, if we were hiring you to redo our logo, what would you recommend? (laughs) I've Um, actually already talked to Sarah about this because she's putting her portfolio What's your rate? (laughs) And I did mention that I I had been thinking about it before, and just all these designs came... um, into my mind, I thought about, you know, the many summer camps that I have gone to growing up. Um, I've gone to sports summer camps. I literally went to Boston Sports Club (laughs) summer camp growing up. I also went to um, these other camps that were like tennis specific. I went to like Babson College summer camp. I went to so many Mm -hmm. summer camps. And taking a little bit of inspiration from, you know, the sort of arts and craftsiness of um, the activities that we did at those camps, which were my favorite things to do, not the sports, not the Mm -hmm. tennis. Uh, Just going a little bit more into that sort of style where it's playful, where it's perhaps not just black and white too. Um, It might go because I have definitely been influenced by being living in Brooklyn and being sort of around hipster culture, like incorporating some of the more, you might think like farm to table aesthetic. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. those two things married together and then my mind just thought of all of the possibilities. Yeah. <laughs> I would keep the tent. I love the tent. I like that the A-frame tent reminds me of Camp Adulthood with a capital mm-hmm. A. Um, I would definitely make it 3D. Mm-hmm. So you you have the long back and you see that it's not um, around TP, and in all yeah. I don't think that the, I think those are all things yeah. that Shay and I yeah. have doesn't both have to change have to that much. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things. Um, oh, you go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I'm seriously not joking. Of let us know what your rate would be to do that 3D uh, tent. <laughs> I will 100. percent I did that logo myself on Canva, and that is the extent of my graphic design ability was to take someone else's, you know, clip art and stick it over the logo. So, yeah. um, okay. Oh, also, yeah. if it was somebody else's, then that's another problem. Of, well, like. It's- 
it's um it no like free I'm, it's like in the public oh, domain. oh okay okay about that so i would never do that if you yeah like licensing uh, and stuff <laughs> that's actually something a huge thing that i i've worked yeah. in art and design for many many years so trust me i yeah. did not steal it's all about design yeah it's all above board but yeah. it's one of the like free clip art as part of this paid program it's like using adobe art or whatever you right, know if you're right. in, in person so yeah. sorry you can cut that out maddie go on um no, what I was going to say was, um, I think I hadn't thought what I loved so much about your email was I hadn't really thought about the design aspect and the fact that, you know, we can debate all day forever, like, is using a TP as two white women with a podcast right. good or bad? Like, there will never be 100% consensus on that. Like, And I think that's kind of where maybe our first discussion was talking more about, you know, the way that the internet kind of approached my favorite murder and how that relates to us also as a podcast on the internet like and I I liked that we're kind of taking the conversation away from that because quite frankly part of the reason why I was you know I didn't want to change it was because you know Shay maybe didn't you know we're not so attached to the logo but like it is the logo that we Mm -hmm. used when we first launched and like we printed all of this merch but now we're actually I'm on my last t-shirt that we have. So so we have actually a reason, you know, if we get more Patreon subscribers or we want to give thank you gifts to people, like it's a good time that, you know, we still have like pens and stickers and stuff, but those are, the logos much smaller and those can kind of be more of like vintage camp adulthood, you know, seeing as the logo, I think it is different from the My Favorite Murder situation because we're not coupling it with a slogan about murder and stuff like that. And it is a lot more, um simplistic compared to like the realistic one that they were using so I'm not you know super worried about having it but longer term I think Shay and I are both on the same page that you know overall the brand kind of needs a revamp maybe some more color maybe more 3d like something a little bit more whimsical I think we've all talked about that and um you know talked about it with different guests and different people and stuff and so I think that it's all kind of happening at a good time that you know to me I'm not super worried about offending people so much as I don't want there to be confusion. Like I don't want someone to Mm -hmm. see our podcast and assume that we're talking really heavily about indigenous populations and then being, you know, disappointed when they realize that that's not what we're doing. Like that to me is more bothersome than the fact that, you know, our very simplistic line drawing of a TP is going to like cause someone to send us a nasty email, you know, that whatever, that doesn't really bother me. But if someone, you know, we're trying to grow this fan base and if, people are confused about what our podcast is about or if they're like this is boring and it's black and white and they could do something more campy and more whimsical like I think that's more of what I want to focus the energy on and I think that's kind of where the three of us all align on it to me so agreed definitely well as much as we could talk about this all day we don't want to cut short our interview with Sarah so pour pour yourself another glass of wine I am yeah real quick and let's uh dive in Okay. I wonder Liner. if you can hear this wine being poured on the it. microphone. It's ambient. Here, I'm going to take some as well. Give myself a little refresh here. Such a delight. Oh, this is really good. I like this. I know. They have pretty good wines. So the reason Sarah. why I want to give some background here, I didn't just want to bring Sarah on, or we didn't just want to bring Sarah on to talk about 
the email because obviously she spent all the time crafting it. We could have talked about that. You know, obviously we love having you here. But (laughs) the main reason that I wanted to talk to you is because you and I want you to tell me the proper terminology. You're a survivor of endometriosis. You are struggling through it still to this Um, day. You have endometriosis. Yeah, I wouldn't say survivor. I just say I have endometriosis, adenomyosis. Some people might say, like, sufferer. Um, I'll get a little bit into Mm -hmm. sort of the degrees of how people experience endometriosis and adenomyosis later. But, yes, I have those two things. And it's a very common thing that most people don't know a lot about. And it affects a lot of millennial women. Can you just uh, begin with a definition of what it is and what what it means for the people who have it? Right. So I'm going to start with endometriosis. It's I'm not going to leave out adenomyosis specifically, but the reason I want to mention it at all is because people usually just don't. They leave mm-hmm. it out and they have a lot of the same symptoms, but it is different how you treat the two diseases, their sister diseases. So I'm largely gonna talk about endometriosis just for clarity's sake, and then I'll um, speak about adenomyosis. So endometriosis is a disorder where the lining of your uterus, um, instead of just growing where it's supposed to be um, on the inside, of your uterus, it grows outside of your uterus um, and it spreads to other organs. This is compared a lot to like a tumor-like growth and what can happen is it can cause debilitating pain, bloating, um, it can cause, let me just run through like the different types of pain. It's um, oftentimes pain with your period, it'll be like pelvic pain, lower abdominal pain, lower back pain, pain with intercourse, like all these different types of pain. Um, It can also cause fatigue, some other like GI symptoms. Um, And adenomyosis is where the exact same thing is happening, tissues growing where it shouldn't be. But instead of growing outside of the uterus, adenomyosis grows within the uterine walls itself. Um, but just, like, so, increased growth from what's normal. Exactly. So okay. this tissue, I mean, we know it as the stuff that our period is made out mm-hmm. of. Like, this tissue, this lining of your uterus, that's what sheds every single month. So what's happening is, month after month, you are shedding this lining wherever it's growing. Internally, oh. outside of the uterus. Right, so you're technically bleeding internally. It's not the same as, like, bleeding internally from an accident. Not nearly that bad. But it's still bad because yeah. every time you do, <laughs> the disease just spreads and spreads and spreads. Um, another big symptom is infertility. Mm-hmm. I haven't run into that. I'm not trying to um, get pregnant, but... A lot of women find out that they have um, endometriosis because they're trying to get pregnant. And um, a little bit about the time to diagnosis. It's an average of 10 years and seven doctors. Jesus. Yes. And And how many people (laughs) have, I know we were talking earlier, one in 10 people with uteruses have this, so it's one extremely common. One in 10 people with uteruses have this. I would say one in 10 women, but there are trans men who um, have dealt a lot with this too and have undergone many, many surgeries. Um, so one in 10 people with uteruses. That is That's alarmingly crazy. common. Yeah. Alarmingly so common. what is your your personal story? So, because it seems like you're quite young then, you 
clearly didn't didn't take 10 years or maybe it did no it didn't um i would say it was about a year until i self diagnosed and i know that if anyone out there like is is like a nurse or a doctor or anything they probably cringe at hearing the word self-diagnosed the problem is people google their symptoms they're like oh my god i'm gonna die in six months (laughs) but if i hadn't done that if i hadn't looked up my symptoms i probably would have been one of those women who just wait years and years before getting proper answers so my story is that i've always had really heavy periods this is one of the symptoms but Mm -hmm. i didn't have pain with my period until the summer of 2015 and throughout the rest of 2015 and early 2016 i just remember every other period would be a really bad one i just have really intense cramps Mm -hmm. and somebody said well maybe it's like one of your ovaries because you know um you alternate sides releasing like is that true an egg every time or something like that you know what i did know that i should take this time to mention that i'm not a medical professional like i shay is that your dog (laughs) that is my dog uh Clearly, David is this home. Is the well, let me just make sure it's not a murderer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Taking a break. I have to Love remember it. where I was. Vincent, have you calmed down? <laughs> That's so adorable. I know. She's what so kind cute. of dog? She's like an Airedale mix. It's like a little terrier kind of dog. Mm, I know terriers. I yeah. terrier. They're good. Yeah, They're they good really dogs. do like to bark and stuff. Okay, let me paint a quick picture for you guys. <laughs> Apparently, David had already been home. He said oh. he was going to the gym, but he lied. Um, <laughs> he, so he's already been home, and he got in very quietly, and he was very quietly, like, talking with her. And then somebody rang the doorbell, oh. and now they're giving, like, a political... Um, uh, impassioned political speech about why we should vote for a certain candidate and David has like got the door open this much and the guy's <laughs> chatting and Vincent has like stuck her head through and is like wagging her tail violently wow. and trying to escape I'm and surprised where David is being very polite. David uh, answered the door seeing as he doesn't like to vote he, he votes now <laughs> <laughs> we're keeping it in we're doing it live yep. <laughs> no, I'm just votes now. I like to make fun so. of David um, okay. Anyway, we're back to it. So right. summer of 2015. Oh yeah. Oh, I was I was gonna take the time to mention, I am not a medical professional. I didn't even brush up on all of this stuff before I, I started speaking today. So That's okay, you're just telling your yes, truth. Yes. Take everything I say with a grain of salt. This is just from my um, perspective, my experience. Okay. So that that's just like a little uh, disclaimer. Um, But in 2016, I was like, okay, this is it. I'm Googling stuff. And I Googled it and I found endometriosis. And I had a couple other symptoms like bloating that were just consistent with the definition. I'm like, I really think I have this. And when you say, sorry to interrupt you, but when you say like intense pain, like, because I think you know, men are going to have no idea what we're talking about, which, like, fine, this might not be for them. Sorry. But, like, for women, it's, like, for me, I don't have endometriosis, or I don't think I do. But, like, you know, to me, like, I think part of the problem with endometriosis and why it goes so undiagnosed is because women are so used to being in pain just regularly. Yes, 100%. And so for you to paint a picture, like, when you were kind of starting to Google your symptoms, like, were you missing work in school? Like, were you... 
like my... in pain where you were like missing events or like no I it was thought... like different from when you were a teenager like what kind of was the tipping point for you it was just different from when I was a teenager I mean I you know knock on wood haven't gotten to the point where it's been a gigantic life obstruction mm-hmm. um I'll get into like sort of the later years and like uh, how it's affected that but early on it's just when you know you know and I should say that yes part of the reason it goes undiagnosed for a long time is because women are being told like oh this is normal this is part of being a woman like you'll have pain with your periods it's fine don't worry about it like teetering on the edge of also like hysterical or paranoid or you know the words that were used with me by my doctors were low pain threshold like low pain tolerance like that's crazy yeah like yeah as if I couldn't handle normal girl cramps I've had cramps with my period as long as I've had a period yeah and I knew these were not them this was different so Mm -hmm. if I were to describe it to men if they're men listening right now I would say like if you've gotten a cramp from running if you imagine that just being towards the front of your body like your lower abdomen instead and if it also felt like it was on fire there's something wrong that's not normal and you're telling yourself this isn't normal even as a lot of doctors are saying yes it is so here's the funny thing you know for some women it takes 10 years and seven doctors that's the average to diagnosis for me diagnosis was quicker But even after I knew what I had, it's like getting things to happen Mm -hmm. was so difficult. Every time I go to a doctor's appointment, whether it was just an annual checkup or I went in for a specific reason, um, I'd say, listen, I think I have endometriosis and this is why. And they'd say, oh, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And I'm like, okay, so what what now? What are we going to do? What's the plan of action? Right. And nothing. There's just nothing. Nothing. Um, there are people who have spoken better than I about this stage. Uh, one of them is a woman named Shannon Cohen. She did a TED Talk, and she produced the film called Endo What? And a lot of that goes into the disbelief in women when they say they're in pain. Um, there's a, another podcast, Stuff Mom Never Told You. They have an episode about what happens when women go to the doctors reporting pain with sex, specifically. Mm-hmm. It's not about endometriosis alone, but they do touch on it, and they do talk a lot about this disbelief again. And I had the problem where people believed me. No one was doing anything, though. Yeah. yeah. No one was doing anything. So... Let me just fast forward because I don't want to get too into it. I have had surgery for this. That is the real treatment at the end of the day. People will say, go on Tylenol, um, use birth control. Um, Those are ways to combat the symptoms, but not the actual disease itself. The only way you can treat endometriosis is with um, laparoscopic surgery. Mm -hmm. So I just had one. I feel great. (laughs) We're doing better. That could change next year. I mean, it's so yeah. I'm sorry. So the the growths will continue to happen. So periodically for the rest of your childbearing years, you will have to have these surgeries performed, correct? Right. Every time they go in, they're cutting out as much as they can. And then it'll grow back probably. Um, I had what is called excision surgery which means they're really going in there and getting all of it out. 
ablation surgeries where they just burn the surface, they just burn what they see, and they mm. leave all of this um, residue disease hidden, um, you know, within the organs or within the uterine walls, and they're not really doing anything. Like they're just like that's that's kind of like a bullshit job. You really have yeah. to go in and try to get all of it out because it's going to spread. It's and the other thing that we were talking a little earlier as well, the I think something that maybe people have heard in the news, Lena Dunham also has endometriosis. Mm-hmm. And the treatment for some people is a hysterectomy, although that's not recommended so, for young people. Yeah, um, this is probably where I will get into adenomyosis because hysterectomy is actually not um, a treatment for endometriosis. And all of the endometriosis support groups are really, really explicit about mm-hmm. that because a hysterectomy is extreme and you yeah. shouldn't have to go through it without being absolutely sure that's what you need. Right. I know that in decades past, hysterectomy was like the answer for everything yeah. for doctors. Mm-hmm. And I know that my grandmother on my mom's side had one. Um, I think my mom's sister had one, all unnecessary. All of them cause huge amount of problems obviously you're basically pushing yourself through menopause with it and the reason it's not a treatment for endometriosis is because when this tissue is growing on other organs anyway yeah it's gonna be there no matter what it's gonna be there no matter what you can take away your uterus but it's still gonna be growing there plus you have all these other problems to worry about not i wonder if she had i mean i know nothing about her medical history but i wonder because it's been broadcast as like endometriosis but i wonder if she had other issues as well adenomyosis maybe because with adenomyosis Um, with this disease growing within the walls of the uterus itself. Um, Here's the thing. Both diseases are clinically, Mm -hmm. I should say, incurable. Adenomyosis is curable, but only by hysterectomy. And women not... there's no medication you can take to stop it. There's no... Right, there's nothing. So for all intents and purposes, like, they're both kind of incurable. Um, the problem with adenomyosis is it's very hard to get to. There are three kinds. There's focal, adenomyoma, and diffuse. Um, the focal, um, it's pretty self-explanatory, adenomyosis is just growing like in a small spot Mm -hmm. within the walls of the uterus that's really easy to just go in there and cut out. Um, and adenomyoma, if you think about it like a much bigger focal spot it's like a big it's almost like a tumor Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. going in cutting it out all viable yeah but with diffuse that's the most common kind and that's what i have what that means is it's tiny instances of it spread throughout your entire uterus Mm -hmm. there's no separating one from the other you can't do it Mm -hmm. the only way to really do it is to have a hysterectomy um adenomyosis can't spread beyond the uterus itself then it would just be endometriosis (laughs) so yeah yeah like for me i i just i don't think i'll ever want to get a hysterectomy they're so extreme they're so it seems not pleasant yes it's it's just it's easier to combat the symptoms and just try to mask the symptoms and live my most normal life possible rather than go through this extreme thing yeah definitely So. so are you and you can always pass on any of our questions. Are you worried about your fertility? Are you making plans, you know, 
to have children by alternate means? Or are you just like, I don't want any babies, so it's no big deal? <laughs> I don't really know how I feel about it yet. Like, I've had moments where I wanted children. I've had my surgeon tell me that my fertility is not affected. I'm a little doubtful about that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I think when the time comes, though, I'll, I'll always have options. I'll always have options. Yeah. It's not impossible to do, to get pregnant when you have endometriosis or adenomyosis. It's, it might be more difficult, but you also have options. You have, you know, like, um, you can freeze your eggs for a long time. You can do the um, surrogate. Mm -hmm. You can adopt. Um, so there are always methods. I haven't thought about that yet, though. Not seriously. And I haven't tested my infertility, yeah. so. Well, it's good that the doctor's... <laughs> You, not know, you can take it with a grain of salt, but, you know. Right. At least there's hope there. Like, for a lot of women, it's, like, off the table entirely. Right. It really is. Which can and be emotionally draining. This goes into part of the why. <laughs> part of the why. Oh. Part of why endometriosis takes so long to identify all of the symptoms of endometriosis. There are also symptoms of many other things, too, like mm -hmm. polycystic ovarian syndrome or, you know, like uh, vaginismus or vaginitis. Um, infertility itself can indicate so many diseases. Mm -hmm. There's just no limit to them. And many more women um, than just the ones that have endometriosis um, struggle with infertility. It's like a huge thing. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, for any of our listeners who are think they might be struggling with endometriosis or are struggling or have a partner who is struggling, what um, resources have you found helpful and where would you direct them? And right. how can they be a good advocate for themselves? Um, so obviously, first and foremost, your doctor. Um, <laughs> I, I would say go there, advocate for yourself. I hate having to say that because it's like they should be there for us. Mm -hmm. But it really is, you do have this like average of 10 years and seven doctors that's, that's hard to ignore. And when you have a doctor that maybe just doesn't specialize in, in endometriosis, which so many OBGYNs and, and gynecologists don't, they'll, they'll be more comfortable just reassuring you rather than asking the hard questions. So advocate for yourself, do the research, just look up some of the most common symptoms of endometriosis. And if you really think you do, then what they can do is an ultrasound and an MRI, it's not, like, it's a very hard disease to detect. Um, even MRIs, which they give you the most probability of detection, but they're not perfect. But even those can at least give you maybe a fraction of an idea, or they can eliminate it entirely. I know that my MRI actually did show my adenomyosis, so it is mm -hmm. useful for something. Um, and yeah, just trust your doctor and go through the right steps. Look for um, gynecologists and OBGYNs that advertise that they are, they specialize in endometriosis because just so many don't. I wish that the ACOG was doing a much yeah. better job of teaching its doctors about this very, very common disease, but they aren't. I actually just listen, I heard a podcast that mentioned a statistic, which was so alarming, is that between 60 to 70% of teenage girls who report pain, like hardcore pain with their periods, 
end up having endometriosis at the time of their laparoscopic surgeries. So we're talking about like, the default should not be, oh, you're fine. The default should be, oh, I think you You have have endometriosis because there's a more likely than not chance. Well, that's what we were talking about when we were sitting having dinner earlier is that, you know, it's so common. And every time I go to the gynecologist, I don't know if you've had similar experiences, Shay, it's all about Mm -hmm. cervical cancer is like the hot thing because of the HPV vaccine. Um, And people are really checking that. The pap smears, it's all about, you know, cervical health. But Mm -hmm. literally, I can't think of a gynecologist ever asking me about, you know, unless I brought it up to them. They -hmm. never asked me, like, about it. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think... Oh, sorry, go on, Maddie. No, I was just going to say, no one ever mentions, like, the uterus or, like, you know, pelvic pain and things like that. sex, because... Mm -hmm. Um, painful intercourse is a symptom of endometriosis and I feel like whenever you go to the doctor they should be asking like and are you satisfied because even if it's not endometriosis it could be vaginitis it could be uh, vulvodynia Um, you know I think we're being deprived of a lot of answers because they're not asking the right Right. questions and it's like we're not supposed to know that Exactly. And I think this also just goes down to this, you know, this level of misogyny in healthcare, even if you have a female doctor, because they're so focused on um, sexually transmitted diseases and the cervical cancer, which is also many times comes from a sexually transmitted disease, that they overlook all of these other things that have nothing to do with, um, you know, with your actual health of your reproductive system. And it's much like, I think, when we were talking about how people who are obese do not get proper care Mm -hmm. at the doctors, women also don't get proper care at the doctors. And if you're a woman who's admitted to, you know, having multiple sexual partners or, um, wants to ask a question about sex and how to make sex more enjoyable or, you know, whatever, then you get less, you know, worthwhile care. Mm -hmm. And the other thing too if we could touch on it briefly, I know you mentioned uh, previously when we've chatted about this is the insurance struggles and oh, finding yeah. insurance that will actually cover endometriosis is I'd not be as happy, easy as you think. I'd be happy to go into the saga. I mean, I'm following closely the news and like... Well, I know maybe you can touch upon the fact that you didn't know that your insurance company was loosely affiliated oh, with Oh, the, no, 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 don't we say can't it. talk about don't, that? Don't say it yet. I'll, I'll, tell, okay. the I'll okay. tell the story. I won't give away um, the punchline. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really a fascinating story and will give people a lot of laughs. Um, to talk uh, just a few more minutes about endometriosis in general, because I want to give listeners um, some good information in case they think they have it or they have mm-hmm. um, a partner or a friend who um, might have it. Uh, one of the biggest things that doctors will push on you to, quote, treat endometriosis is birth control. You should know that birth control, it'll only mask the symptoms. It won't treat the disease. But for me personally, my IUD has just been so integral to the treatment process. Like, I don't know where I would be without it. I know that the only way to treat endometriosis is with surgery. My adenomyosis, that's a different question. That's, Mm -hmm. that's, 
there's nothing yeah. that can be done to help that. But um, at the very least, we can attack endometriosis. But in between surgeries, I just really need to not feel pain because in recent years, I have started to miss work or important things because I was having a flare and these flares would just get worse and worse and worse. And the reason that I landed with the IUD I've just really been around the block with birth controls and what it came down to was just needing localized mm -hmm. progesterone. Um, endometriosis, adenomyosis, these are estrogen powered diseases. They love it. They thrive on it. And so by keeping estrogen low and progestin high, um, you can like stop your period mm -hmm. if that's when you're only feeling pain. You can limit how fast these diseases spread. Maybe you'll save yourself another couple of years before your next surgery. Mm -hmm. That's really important. So I see birth control as like a helping hand, not a treatment. Um, That's great. That's yeah. great advice. Yeah, super helpful. Yeah. I'll, I guess I'll tell my little saga of my, uh, my insurance struggles. It's more than the insurance struggles, though. It's also like the surgeon's office yeah um Ugh. right In medical coding <laughs> right. such a exactly. enigma so between the time when i self-diagnosed and now i guess that's been a couple years maybe like yeah 2016 to mm -hmm. now so two years um throughout that time i was just trying to get more and more information at every doctor's visit and i finally found a surgeon um, I will recommend her because I think it's good to throw out names for people living in New York. Her name is Dr. Kathy Huang. She's with um, NYU Langone. She is one of the highest rated endometriosis surgeons um, in the in the whole country, you know, uh, not just New York. But I was scheduled to have a surgery with her and about a month before my scheduled surgery, I was just looking her up on the off chance. I don't know why I was, but I noticed that of the insurances she lists as um, being in network, mine was missing from the list. And I know, I know that it was there before I did my research. So I call the office and I'm just like, oh, you know, I, you know, have surgery with her next month. I just want to check that I'm still covered. And the receptionist was like, oh, no, um, next week, starting July 1st, she's actually dropping that health insurance. I'm like, what? What the fuck? Yeah. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I have yeah. excision surgery scheduled with her. And she's like, oh, um, I guess we would have told you if you tried to make another appointment. I'm like, what kind of bullshit yeah. weak sauce oh excuse is that? That's awful. Yeah. You can't, When were you planning on telling me this? Probably never. Yeah. Probably when I got the bill. Yeah, so, $30,000 bill. Yeah, exactly. I freak out. I call my insurance company. My insurance company is like, oh, well, uh, maybe if you just bill it a, under a different doctor, even if you still have surgery performed that by her. Sketchy. I'm like, that sounds like insurance fraud. Yeah. I'm not yeah. really sure you should be recommending that. I call the New York State of Health. They're like, oh, you can't switch insurances in the middle of the year. This is not a qualifying event. We're really sorry. I'm like, damn it. So I don't know what to do. I basically think I'm going to go a whole year um, without getting the surgery that I really need because my flares were getting worse and worse. And I'm not talking about the cramps that yeah. I had in 2016. I'm talking about like shits on, on fire. my knees, shits on fire, like on my yeah. knees, yeah. screaming in pain. And finally, the office 
gets it together and they assign me to this other doctor also would highly recommend him he's the one who actually did my surgery his name is dr christopher eswar also with nyu langone really really nice guy i love him to death he's he did an excellent job and obviously because i'm Mm -hmm. you know sitting here today and i'm not really in pain anymore i have like little things here and there but not really um the kind of pain that i used to have but here's a funny thing I had some scheduling issues, so one day I just went into the office to sort them out in person. And one of the receptionists said, we spoke to your insurance company again, and they said they weren't actually gonna cover the IUD. You see, I was getting the IUD at the same time as surgery. They were just gonna put it in when I was still under uh, general anesthesia. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. (laughs) And I'm like, that doesn't sound right. Let me just call my insurance company. So I do. And I'm asking about coverage for the IUD. And the representative says, I have this script I'm supposed to read you. Oh my God. I'm like, uh, okay. (laughs) It was like a 30 second to a minute script. I don't remember what it said, but it started out mentioning three separate ways that they do not cover pregnancy termination services. And in my head, I'm like, I'm not asking no one's about abortion. To do this. Yeah. That's something completely different. This yeah. is about the IUT. And it goes on to say that um, I'm actually going to name the insurance by name because I don't want anyone to go get yeah. it. It's Fidelis Care. Which is Fidelis what Corey Care. has, but he's a boy, so it's... Okay. okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I am going to name them by name, and um, I am just going to... Yes, say that they suck. They they yeah. absolutely suck. They're bullshit, and you'll see why in a minute. Um, they go on to say that Fidelis Care doesn't cover some... Um, family planning services for more information call this weird company name with (laughs) a weird number and goodbye and after he was finished saying that i waited a couple seconds i'm like that's it he's like yes i'm like okay so in any case i just need to and so i go back into my original question and he's like i can't say any more than that do you want me to read you the script again like, no, I don't no, want you to read no, me the fucking not. script. By this point, I've skimmed over so many details in the retelling right now, but I've actually had a ton of logistical stress with yeah. getting the surgery to happen. So by this, this point... This was just the final straw. Exactly. Yeah. By this point, I really am saying, no, fuck you, into the phone. Yeah. <laughs> I don't <laughs> care anymore. Yeah. And yeah. he basically ends a conversation saying, I can't help you. Goodbye. So... I'm like, all right, well, I have nothing to lose. I'll just call this number. The sketchy number that they gave you. The sketchy number. I call the number. I tell the woman what happened. She's like, oh, don't even worry about it. Go to our website. This is the URL. Look (laughs) at the uh, list of birth controls. I'm looking at it right now, and I see that the IUD, the Mirena IUD, it is covered. I'm like, great. So why do you think that, like, the representative of Fidel's care just gave me such a hard time um, giving me that answer? She's like, oh... That's because Fidelis Care is a Christian affiliated organization. And uh, I gasped. Barf. I was like, what the fuck? I was running through my memory. I'm like, how did I not know this when I signed up for it? Because they don't advertise it anywhere. They don't yeah. advertise it anywhere. And this is part of like the New York state of health. Like, it's, you know, if you're on Medicaid or some sort of like government option, like Fidelis Care is one of the like main options that you get if you're getting it through like the New York State yeah. you know, Board of Health or whatever. It was one of the few options I had. I had yeah. that 
or maybe Oscar, maybe Blue Cross Blue Shield. Not every option was available to me though. I was just looking for health insurances that were covered by the surgeon I wanted, which was Dr. Kathy Huang. Yeah. Of course, the irony <laughs> being she dropped that health insurance in the middle of the year yeah. in July, but funny enough all the how same. you can't change your insurance, but doctors can drop it whenever they want. Exactly. They yeah. their um, how that happens. Yeah, their contracts are an annual basis but not like at the end of the year it's whenever yeah. they started it yeah so that yeah that was so a thing. fun that was very I fun <laughs> I, I just want to say i never thank god had to deal with anything like that but i also um you know had to take care of my own health insurance when i was in new york so the company i worked for didn't pay for it and i had so many similar experiences to you where i would like just make an appointment for a physical and then I'd go in and they dropped it. And I was like, I literally have the money. I will pay for whatever plan, but the New York state of health oh, yeah. would only let me get, you know, certain plans were available to, and it's, it's a real problem. Yeah. And as much as a, I am a huge fan of the affordable care act, I, there's a certain sect of like, I would say like the lower middle class. It's the, the donut. This is like a real class. thing. This is like an actual documented thing. It's called, it's like the donut where like if you're at like the bottom level, it's really easy because it's just like Medicaid. Like they don't even Mm -hmm. give you the option of getting like private insurance and then it's just like, okay, easy. Anywhere that just says Medicaid, like Mm -hmm. you can go whatever. Or if you're at the top level where you can just pay for private insurance and you just get like the Mac Daddy of insurance, but it's the middle donut hole people that get screwed over, which is like... Exactly. What you guys are talking about. Well, the funny thing is with the Affordable Care Act, uh, the woman at said sketchy company, I don't even remember the name. It was, was, I (laughs) think it was Unified Health IPA. She said that the, because of the ACA, Fidelis Care was forced to do something. They had to have their patients covered they have to cover birth birth control. control. Yeah. That's that's why they have this supplementary company that third supply. party company third party, yeah. That's so like weird. but it's it feels gross like they're just yeah. washing their hands of this stuff and it's like i feel like i was being slut shamed when i yeah. when i think back to the phone call and how curt that representative was with me like i feel like i was, was being slut shamed yeah it was well, yes. What's really frustrating about this, because this is always my big soapbox about birth control, is that you had to jump through so many hoops and go through the ringer to get that birth control. But I bet if you walked in and you said, I want Oxy for this pain, they would have been like, great, let's write you a prescription right now. If you wanted to go on a really heavy painkiller, fun fact, would have been fine. uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about this. I'll ask her, and if not, I'll cut it out. But my mom's, I think it's public now, my mom works for... um, a county adjacent to Detroit, and they were one of the first counties. Now it's it's spread. A couple states have done it to actually sue the um, pharmaceutical companies that oh, sell wow. like mm-hmm. oxy and stuff. Mm-hmm. Because what happens is like people get addicted to it. Then you know, for most of the population, who ends up footing the bill when the people go to the hospital? It's the state or the municipality where you live, or if people have to go to state-sponsored rehab and whatever. And so it's a big burden on these municipalities or people, you know, jails are overcrowded because, you know, not that people are criminals, but just because, you know, you get picked up for driving on Oxy and it's like, what do you do? You get sent to jail. And so my mom actually helped draft, like, this lawsuit um, that's going through. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. But, yeah, definitely uh, 
No bueno. I remember before the ACA, like, when I was in high school and my parents were still paying for it, my birth control, which is just, like, generic bullshit, whatever, like, the pill, it's, like, mm-hmm. nothing special, um, was, like, $1.50 per day. It was, like, almost $40 oh, wow. a month. And my parents were paying for that, and they were like, this is the most expensive thing that you do. Like, this is more expensive than, like, anything else we do for you. And I was like, yeah. And then when I was in college or whenever it happened that the ACA passed, now it's free, but you still have to go to the doctor every year, get the prescription. You have to call it Mm -hmm. in every month. You have to go pick it up. It's, like, a whole thing. It's really hard to get it through the mail. It's, like, well, a whole situation. You have to jump through hoops just for the ability to plan your life or treat the symptoms of your disease or cure your acne i mean birth control is used for yeah (laughs) upwards of 20 things you mentioned like trans men like god forbid you have that wrinkle right trans men having endometriosis basically because a lot of i've read not even just about endometriosis not to get too off topic but a lot of insurance companies if you don't have female on your birth certificate or whatever they won't cover OBGYN services so if you change your identification to say male but you still have a uterus and it no longer says female it doesn't cover OBGYN services wow yeah that's so it's like you either don't get the ID that you want or you don't get the insurance coverage a lot of states are changing it so that's no longer legal but a lot of states still have it very interesting Yes, on that uplifting note, um, <laughs> I feel like we could talk about this all day, but archery range. I do think we need to move into the archery range. Yes. Okay. Uh, Sarah, we are going to ask you a series of rapid fire questions. Um, please answer as quickly as possible off the top of your head. And if we say, you know, name your favorite beetle or something and you can't choose, just pick <laughs> one of your top favorites. We should put that question into the rotation. Okay, we'll just start with that. Who's your favorite beetle? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> Paul McCartney. Mine's Ringo. <laughs> oh. Mine's Paul. Uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Ringo's just so fun. He has the saucy glasses. He is saucy. He is um, saucy. Favorite book? Um, All the Light We Cannot See. Mm. Favorite movie? Mm, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Nice. Favorite TV show? Right now, Outlander. Mm-hmm. So good. Uh, favorite childhood snack? Lunchables. I hate to say it. They're so gross. <laughs> now I just make a cheese tray and it's basically an adult Lunchable and I don't feel bad about it. Oh yeah. It's charcuterie. Yeah. I've been charcuterie thinking about this. Grown up Lunchable. We should, so. you should patent that grown up Lunchables. Grown up Lunchables. I know, right? Business ventures. Yeah. Um, favorite year of school. Favorite year of school? Yeah. High school? College? Could be anytime. Elementary, whatever you want. Just anything that sticks out. Uh, in your mind. Seventh grade was pretty fun. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, favorite place you visited? Paris, hundred uh, percent. Hello, Jenny. Hopefully, she listens <laughs> yes. to this episode. Jenny, love you. Come back from Paris. I miss Aww. you. We miss you, Jenny. All right. Okay. Shall we? I think end it. Yeah. So, Sarah, uh, is there any place on the internet where you would like our listeners to find you, or are you a private An social media person? Um, no, you can find me. Um, I'm about to publish my portfolio. It has oh, a cool. lot of yeah, graphic design, photography, illustration, um, typography, just all the stuff. Um, that's going to be at sarah-raden.com. Um, I don't have an H in my name, by the way. <laughs> and S-A-R. yeah, on Instagram, I'm a city gal. 
Oh, I like even, that. Yeah. even saying it out loud is like I feel kind of dumb. I don't know why I it's came so up funny. with that. This or is when. like my favorite part of the interview because it's like people, people get so embarrassed. Yeah, I know. So it, uh, a city gal um, underscores separating the words. Um, yeah, I don't say. Yeah, I can't really say I put myself out there that much. I don't have Twitter, so. Yep, that sounds awesome. That's we will plug both of those. Um, campers, thank you so much, and we'll see you next yes. week. Thank you, Sarah, again. It's been delightful. Thanks, yeah, thank Thanks for listening. Camp Adulthood is hosted by Maddie Yergi, Resident Youth, and Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood. We are produced by Jenny Mayfield, and this episode was recorded in Maddie's living room. You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. You can email us hello at campadulthood.com and you can visit us at campadulthood.com please also find on our website there are links to our patreon page where you can be a subscriber and there are many cool prizes thanks campers we hope that you enjoy your stay at camp